Welcome to Scrunchy Time. I'm Nicole Hegstead, your fertility advocate. After six years of infertility and three miscarriages, I decided that I needed to become the advocate for my own body. If you're exhausted from struggling to get pregnant and want to know more about how I can help, check out my website at www.nicolehegstead.com. And I'm Bridget May, your children's health expert. My son was born with a heart condition that led to three open heart surgeries, cath labs, a tracheostomy, and a ventilator. After being fed up with mixed opinions, I became my children's own advocate. If your child's health is lacking, then check out my website at www.bridgetmay.com to find out more how I can help. Put your hair up and pay attention while we discuss today's hottest topics concerning female hormones and healthy kiddos. We aren't silky. We aren't crunchy. We're We're scrunchy. Hello and welcome back to Scrunchy Time. So this week we have a special treat. Um, Bridget is actually preoccupied and unable to join us for recording today. So I have a special guest to join us, my husband. I'm super excited about this. David Higstead is my husband and um, we are going to be talking about infertility today and um, just delving in a little bit more to our story and how that has unfolded and how that has shaped um, and how he has struggled with it as the husband in the situation so we can kind of get a better well-rounded viewpoint of um, what's been going on. So um, basically in a nutshell, we have struggled with infertility for seven years tomorrow. We will be married seven years tomorrow. Super excited. Happy anniversary, baby. Um, so we've been, uh, we, we got married June 2nd, 2012, and we weren't on any birth control or anything like that. And, um, we, we had kind of planned to try and naturally prevent our pregnancy for a few months to a year. We just kind of wanted to get to know each other and get used to married life and all of that. Um, but we had agreed that for the honeymoon, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't even worry about it because we just wanted to enjoy our honeymoon. And, um, we actually thought that we were going to get pregnant on our honeymoon. Um, and it it just comes from one of those things of, you know, your parents are always telling you, you know, if you do the act, you're going to get pregnant. So don't do the act. And, um, that never happened. And so, um, the months started to unroll and as time went by, people started asking and, you know, you know, if you've dealt with infertility, how the process goes that, you know, you're a month in and everybody kind of is like, what's going on? Are you guys talking about kids? And then six months in, everybody's like, what about grandbabies? You know, and by the time you start to start really getting worried, it's been a year or a year and a half and it's starting to be alarming. So, yeah, that's kind of how we unrolled. How's, how, how, what are your thoughts on it? So I actually have a very different experience of our infertility process than Nicole did. Um, honestly, the first time someone even asked me, like flat out asked me, like when we were planning to have kids, it was like two years ago. It was like year five. Okay. One of my cousins was like, hey, you guys planning to have some kids of your own? And wow. I was like, at that point, we're infertile. Like, we can't. We've, we've been trying for five years. And he's like... <laughs> so for those of you on the podcast who can't see what David just did, he like shifted uncomfortably and started to walk away, which as women, if you're listening as a woman, you know that's the response of everyone 
So yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's been a very different. Uh, it's amazing. I didn't even know that till you just experience. I feel like yeah, nobody nobody has ever bothered to ask me. So I guess they they may have been asking you the whole time. Probably. Um, <laughs> and I know you have you have told me multiple times that people have asked and like basically what you just said has been like your experience of it. But for me, like, um, yeah, I mean, I thought we would probably get pregnant on our honeymoon. We just, I just had a cousin get married, what, like two years ago? Mm-hmm. They got pregnant on their honeymoon, um, and they, they, they're pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking, oh, that's probably going to be our experience. But there we you were checking your cycles and so forth to the best of your ability and there it seemed like we probably wouldn't necessarily because that was kind of like the infertile time Mm -hmm. of the month for you and um so that happened with their honeymoon and i think the first i feel like i should clarify too we were okay waiting at that time to get pregnant it was more that we didn't want to worry about birth control or anything and we were okay with getting pregnant, but we were we were also more okay with waiting. And so it was it was kind of one of those things. It was just we were more surprised because, again, at least as a, a girl, you're raised being told all the time, you know, if you sleep with someone, you're going to get pregnant. And so you just kind of expect that, like, oh, okay, that's going to happen. And, yeah, like I said, it didn't. So, anyway, sorry to interrupt you. So to continue on, catch up with that first year. Um, first few months... Uh, yeah, we alternated between using condoms and not using condoms. And, you know, you don't really find out. Like, I think Nicole um, was taking pregnancy tests occasionally during that time. Everything negative. And it just kind of reached the point where we are like, okay, we're, um, I think it was like three or four months in, we're like, um, if we did get pregnant now, um, like our goal was to have a whole year to just be Nicole and I and we were like okay so at this point it would push us past a year to give birth and we just um, you know prevention went became a thing of the past we started moving forward enjoying each other no problems um, as far as that side of the equation but the other thing was our lives mm-hmm. during probably the first three years of marriage were like crazy mm-hmm. Nicole was working at a horrid horrid job and um which um i'm sure nicole's talked about in the past and uh so that aside um that first year i was doing a night job running newspapers working during the morning or going to school during the day and uh nicole is working full-time so basically, when we got home together, we were just trying to enjoy each other's time, and uh, I think in general, we've been pretty good about always, like when we're free, we're together, we're free, we're doing things together, and the one thing that's really kept our marriage strong is, um, like, I don't do anything unless Nicole does it with me, Nicole doesn't do anything unless I'm with her, and you're all like, well, what does this have to do with infertility well it doesn't really have anything to do with infertility but so the first year 
we were there in Clarkston, Washington. That's kind of what happened. Um, then uh, Nicole had to quit that job, and so we moved um, halfway across the country back in with my family, my parents. And the next two years, from my perspective, again, all I was thinking about um, was the things we were doing, how busy we were, and it was kind of like, you know, honestly, like for me, it's still not a good time to get pregnant, though we weren't preventing. And so it wasn't that big of a concern with me even while we were in Dickinson, though I know Nicole's wow. experience was different. Yeah, where like, that was when I really started to rub up and started freaking out and started yeah. charting and seeing doctors and going through all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I know Nicole, I knew Nicole was like charting and she was researching and um, we visited some doctors during that time. And like I was going to, I was both going to school full time and working a night job full time mm-hmm. to finish up um, college. And so like I was just busy. I was I was kind of like, um, even though we still found time for each other, I was just busy mentally with my own little world, getting all that stuff done. That even when we started to test. I think it was the second year we were in Dickinson. We we started to test since we had insurance. We were like, okay, we've got insurance. That's kind of my my mentality. Like the only reason like we're even bothering to test to see if we all of our equipment works was because like like from my perspective, um, this isn't a big deal. We just happen to have insurance, so let's just go ahead and blow it on. You know, we might as well use it just to just to be sure. So like mentally, I didn't think anything was going to come back negative or positive, however that works. And so even during that, when we were doing the testing in Dickinson, it wasn't that big of a concern for me because I was like, we're just doing this because we have the insurance anyways. And also as a side note, everything did come back good. Like the doctors could not find anything wrong with either of us. So, which is inevitably what led us to where we're at because Mm -hmm. Clearly, if you can't get pregnant, then there's something wrong, even if the doctors are saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, so, um, so things were coming back just fine. And that was the panic, too, that that added to it as well. Hmm. And so everything comes back fine. And I was basically riding that for probably another two years, like the doctor said, we're fine. And so in my mind, uh, I know Nicole had a different experience of all this from from my, my own mental health I was like always looking back at that the doctor said we're fine so whatever our timing is just off and like we're just not lining up when you know when you're fertile and so that's kind of what my perspective was over the next few years and it really can I ask what was your perception of women's fertility like as a man Um, Were you thinking that like it had to happen at the precise moment because like there is like a three to five day window in there like and obviously we were doing it more more often than that. So how how were you thinking that we were missing that window? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Is all it just I, that the, all I knew is they said we were fine. Okay. And the female body is a mystery. Was, and so that was good enough for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. During that time. Yeah. I had no conception of um, you know, your hormones being related to your fertility and that there's 
you can tell me like there's six or seven mm-hmm. that all have to basically line up perfectly to to create that opportunity and if they're one of them's off you can't get pregnant right so i, I had no conception of that okay. and i think at the time you didn't i didn't either. understand those yeah. things either yeah um so yeah it was all just very simple very like you ovulate right when we have sex and we're good to go and for some reason we just haven't managed to, to line things up mm. until then so that was that was my understanding of the situation and so i just wasn't even worried it was it didn't start to become something that really like i didn't start to grasp the fact that we might not have children until probably year four of our marriage like that didn't start to become a reality to me and year four was um the year we were living in Glencoe. In Glencoe. Mm-hmm. Like the first year we moved into Glencoe. And even that year. Well, that was 2015 that we moved there. So. Well, the first year we were in Clarkston. Year two and year three we were in Dickinson. So year four onward we've been in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but again, even that, that first year in Clarkston or Glencoe, it was another year where we were just busy like I think our first four years of marriage we have been busier than most couples are their first 10 years of marriage yeah like we've got we've done more things as far as relocating I spent three years in college um working full-time the entire time you've worked full-time those four years like we've just we remodeled the house in Minnesota. Yeah, we saw yeah. in minute when we moved to Minnesota, we were, were we were both working full time and remodeling our house full time. And so again, it was just another thing where I don't honestly it was probably once the remodeling slowed down mm-hmm. over that winter mm-hmm. that I finally slowed down myself to the point where I could start to think about things and I could start to think why aren't we pregnant Mm -hmm. why have we you know why is things still not like if there's nothing wrong why why has it been for almost five years and we haven't been able to get pregnant and that it was kind of during that slow time during that winter um one of the things was we didn't have heat in our house so we just basically (laughs) as soon as we got home we we hid in um our bedroom because of the heaters of course we stayed warm other ways too during that winter (laughs) and it's like finally just had an opportunity to to reflect and think about everything that was going on um for the first time Mm -hmm. so nicole if you'd like to yeah so um catch up you left off at year one okay yeah so um those two years when we were with uh my in-laws with david's parents um in there in 2013 in the fall is when we had our first miscarriage um and of course i was going through testing and trying to figure out what was going on and and all the things and um we're gonna touch in another episode later on more about miscarriages but um that really seemed to to light the fire for me it was like okay we can get pregnant 
And I'd always been told, you know, it's normal to miscarry your first. So I was like, okay, well, there we go. We got that one under, under, out of the way. Like now we can move on, you know? And, um, I honestly expected to get pregnant right away. I figured we had fixed whatever was wrong and we could move on. And, um, that didn't happen. And we didn't get pregnant for another three years, two years, somewhere in there, two to three years. Um, let's see. I think it was, yeah, 2016 was the next pregnancy. So it was three years later. And um, something that I, I find it interesting what you were saying about that in 2015 is when you really started to realize that we weren't getting pregnant and started to kind of freak out. Um, because, and the reason I bring that up is I had not really talked a lot about the miscarriage with you. And I remember in 2015 breaking down one night and actually saying like I'm still grieving from our miscarriage you know and it's just interesting that um I wonder how much that played a role in that I know you wouldn't remember now um but um but it was actually in 2015 that I kind of started like well maybe we won't get pregnant maybe maybe we're done you know maybe this is never going to happen so it's interesting to me mm -hmm. that like about the time that I was like, well, let's just move on with life, you know, it was let's when you were... was when I was like, let's start to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Let's go to the doctors. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So um, then the next two years, 2016 and 2017, we actually had three miscarriages through. Um, it's kind of come to my attention in the last year that I had a, a fourth miscarriage in there that I hadn't realized that I had had. Um, and um, that for me was interesting um, as far as my infertility journey went. I just, I knew that there was answers out there. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started going to, I've, I've shared my story, this part of my story in on our very first podcast ever. Um, but that was when I started going to the doctors again, because I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly something's happening here and I need to know what it is. Excuse me. And um, started going to the doctors again, started really delving into that. And that was when we ended up just getting screwed over by that one doctor and all the things that, that happened and came out of that. And um, I really decided, I, I went home one day uh, from that appointment and I I remember just sitting there and thinking through everything and it just hit me I have to be the advocate for my own body because these doctors do not know what they're talking about when it comes to my body They know a lot about um, Physical problems, you know, they can test and see if you have endometriosis or PCOS or all of those things but in the end they do not know my body the way that I know my body and they're not listening to me and that to me was when I realized I have to step out and take care of this myself. And so um, I think it was like the next week I had a Bridget, actually, <laughs> I had a friend, Bridget, you all know Bridget. <laughs> um, she had given me a, a link to a gal's um, website and she was like, you should check this gal out. She talks about balancing your hormones. And so like the next day I went to work and pulled up that link and started researching. And that's when I started my apprenticeship the next summer and now we're here but um but yeah it really took that um that two years of just like not knowing what was going on in order for me to realize this isn't on a doctor anymore this is on me and i have to yeah. figure this out i think the that time you went to see the 
So you had been planning to go see a nurse midwife that a friend of ours had been recommending. And when we went there, they were like, we were still living in Glencoe. They're like, maybe something closer would be better for you. They referred us to a place in Waconia. And I remember both of us being really, really excited to go have you go see them. Mm -hmm. And they were like, it's going to be $300 up front. Was it? I think it was 365. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we'll get the ball rolling. We can, we can make that happen. And I just about lost my shit when Nicole came home. I was so fucking mad when she came back and said, um, we just basically just spent all that money to be told um, Nicole's too heavy to um, be referred to. Because she didn't even... It was basically she was visiting a nurse who was going to refer her. I'm sure you've heard the story. When she comes back and explains all that to me, I was on... I, I was basically wanting to get in the car and go down there and screaming out at them and that's to matter money back. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing with when you go through um, the medical system, you have no idea what you're paying for mm-hmm. up up front. Like afterwards, you like when it, they have done what they did and like you already know what it was that they did, but like we did not know that. It was just going to be an interview. It was essentially we were paying for an interview. Had we known that, like, no, we're not, like, we're not going to do that while we don't have insurance. Like, I thought we were going to, like, be talking to the people. Like, I didn't realize it was basically, like, you're going to pay us, but we reserve the right to reject you, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like Nicole said, like, they could have told me up front, like, here are some things that we won't work with you if if they come up they could have been like here's the sheet and like we could have been like oh you know nicole's kind of overweight right now and so they wouldn't re- accept us anyway so let's work on that first before we even even go see them mm-hmm. but no like they just they just stole our money um i'm willing to say that mm-hmm Whatever place in Waconia you are that does uh, fertility issues, you stole $365 from us. You just know that. Okay, that being said, uh, we're probably going to get a letter in the mail saying to pull this video down. <laughs> I don't think they even watch this. <laughs> in a couple years. <laughs> like, YouTube will yank all of our videos. Um, all these videos. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's... At that, basically, at that point, um, I was like, "Forget all of them. Like, it's all it's all pointless." Mm-hmm. Like, and Nicole had been explaining to me everything that she had been learning during this entire process, also. And I, and when that happened, it was like, "No, we're we're done going the traditional way. They they haven't been able to help so far. They basically all they can tell us is there's nothing wrong." The first sign of a doctor paying attention to Nicole's body was the actually the place that referred her to the place in Oconia. They did a 
uh, an ultrasound and started to, to mm-hmm. notice thin, a thin lining. Mm-hmm. And so, like, of the, like, five places we've been to, one started to give Nicole answers and... Well, in our chiropractor, and I, I go back to this all the time, I, I have seen two OBGYNs, um, a, two general practitioners, a midwife, and a chiropractor. And the chiropractor taught me more than all the rest of them put together. Like, that should not be. I mean, I'm very grateful for our, our chiropractor. He's an amazing man. But it should not be that in our modern medical world, we're learning more about our hormones from our chiropractor who's adjusting our back than the OBGYN who's seeing me for infertility. That should not be. That mm-hmm. should just not be. And something else that I want to bring up as a big red flag, if you go in for infertility treatment and they start you off on the birth control pill, you need to run away. There have been so many doctors that I have seen that the first thing they bring up is, well, we should put you on the pill for a couple of months. No, it does not work that way. It does not work that way. And I have a, we have other episodes that talk about why not to do that. But um, and I think to, it's a huge thing. Like, especially during Dickinson, the time when Dickinson, um, when they were bringing up these issues, the pill or that other one. Um, Clomid. Clomid. Like, again, the only reason I was willing um, to, like, try and work with Nicole, like, for natural ways to solve these issues and not just, like, when she brought up Clomid and, like... Um, the doctors say that I'm not ovulating for some reason. I was like, well, let's figure out why your body isn't doing that instead of just forcing it to. Was I, I didn't think it was, still, I wasn't like mentally thinking that there's that big of a problem. Mm. Had, honestly, had I thought that there is the possibility that we could never be pregnant, I would have told Nicole, we absolutely should go and take Clomid. And of course we've learned since then that with Nicole's um, um, uterine lining issues, one of the things that can cause, that can increase that is Clomid. Mm-hmm. And like, we'd be in a worse situation mm-hmm. that like, I'm just glad that things worked out the way they did where now we can, um, we haven't made things worse. Mm-hmm. We're in a place over the last um, year or two years that we can, um, work naturally to correct these things and um anyways yeah no i was gonna ask too if you had any advice for women or you know wives or husbands where um, because it seems like this is a big issue that i run into with my clients where the wife is struggling to figure out what's going on and the husband is more nonchalant and more like well i'm sure there's nothing wrong and it's it almost comes back to and this could be just me reading into things, but it almost comes back to where the man, it feels like the man is scared that the problem is with him. And, you know, we all know that the male ego is, you know, there's bravado there and all of that. And so any advice there for mm-hmm. wives or husbands on either side? Well, especially for men, um, like don't, I think there can be a fear, um, not, not so much that it's will be a problem with them, honestly. I never really thought in those terms, but like the idea of not having children for a man is terrible.
terrifying. Mm. Um, it's probably more terrifying than anything for me personally that could happen in my life. Um, and it's difficult, like, a man is not going to start to move forward and help his wife until he can face that fear except that that is a possibility because it's it's like i know my personality i would rather just um ignore it and then 30 years down the road realize like um my personality would allow me to do that 30 years down the road realize we never had children <laughs> oh well mm. um there's nothing we can do about it now instead of 30 you know when i'm in my 20s when i'm in you know just 31 now like accepting you know there's something wrong and like we might not end up having children so i need to work with my wife now we need to work as a team and do what we can um even if we just agree on doing it for a few years like where we exert all of our effort and time and focus onto the problem to try and figure out how to solve it. Um, so just, you know, accept that, um, like just face reality that this is a possibility that you could be infertile. Realize that um, you there, there could be an answer and look for it. Mm. I think be, being worried that there is no answer can cripple you and um, cause you not to do anything at all which is the worst thing that could happen is to just sit and not do anything mm. you need to you need to act, you act you need to to do something you need to move you need to that's really good know. really good because your, your wife believe me like that's all she thinks about <laughs> that's all that nicole i'm sure she's talked about this like during those years that's all she she thought about you know was her infertility as a woman, as a mother, as a, you know, as, as something created to bear children as a woman, um, and to rear them and, and seeing everyone around us having kids and like, just like they, they just happen to be in the same room together and they get pregnant. Like <laughs> they didn't even do anything. And it's like, we're doing everything. Mm. And love your wife mm. she needs you and she needs you to be with her the whole journey she needs to know that she can come to you and tell you i just had a miscarriage or you know like i remember during this time period um um starting in dickinson but especially the first year um first year or two in, in glencoe nicole's cycles were had always been off mm -hmm. right and it became like a point of celebration when she would she would get it like <laughs> six months would go by with nothing and then she'd get get one and it's like we'd go celebrate because mm -hmm. it's like a sign that there's still hope and I actually have theorized at this point I have no proof because I can't go back in time and mm -hmm. I, I wasn't tuned in enough with my body at that point but I've theorized that we were actually miscarrying and getting pregnant at that point as well um, yeah. and that, that is a possibility that it got so far out of whack Nicole is 
um, getting pregnant and having a lot of miscarriages that we weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, the other thing, um, maybe talk about these things. You need to be writing down your experiences so that you can go back and figure out what's going on with my body, what's going on with my wife's body, what's going on with everything that's going on. Absolutely, yes, yeah. Because it's it's a team effort, and if you leave your wife hanging, feeling like she's the only one trying to get pregnant, I mean, you're running the risk of her, um, like, worst-case scenario leaving you because it's like, he just doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't, obviously he doesn't love me, because if he did love me, he would be supporting me through this. Like, there's probably not, not going to be anything as difficult for your wife as experiencing infertility. Mm. Um, Nicole showed me a really, really good movie recently, um, like Julie and Julia, mm-hmm. about the, the sh- OTV sh- French chef. chef woman. And they delve into her and her husband's infertility, and, and I just really... Um, they do it really gently, it's though. Really touching. Yeah. And like, she gets it's something I really related to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, if you've seen the movie, then you know the scene. But she gets a letter from her sister who just got married, and she's been married for a long time. And they don't really talk about them trying to have kids, but she, she just says, "My sister just got pregnant. She's been married for like a month, you know." And she just looks up at her husband and she starts crying and she says, I'm so happy for her. And I mean, David and I have played that out so many times, you know, that somebody gets married and you are, you're happy for them. And yet, like, it brings up so much pain. (laughs) (laughs) These evil people. (laughs) David. No, but, um, but yeah, it is, it's a touching scene. It's a very touching scene. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add about infertility? No, just the emphasis of um, it can either drive you apart or bring you together. Mm -hmm. And whether it it does that is up to the two of you. Mm -hmm. Like, this has driven Nicole and I, at times, it's driven us apart (laughs) because of my... Um, indifference mm-hmm. but once it started at home and actually it was around uh, the second miscarriage um, was in I think the second miscarriage was when everything started like things had started to hit me before that but that's when it was like there's something seriously wrong there's something um, I've been missing out on for several years that Nicole has been going through on her own and um, you know you don't want to be several years in to realize that your wife has been walking this journey by herself so uh, you know obviously wives bring your husbands in Um, you might be thinking well they I don't want to ruin their day or like I kind of feel like at times Nicole had that attitude or mindset of, um, you know, my husband's busy enough. He doesn't need to be burdened by this too, Mm. but he does. 
He absolutely does. And there may be some difficulty bringing him in, but um, once he's in, once he, he's supporting you through it, um, like he won't regret having been brought in early. Like if anything, he'll regret that you didn't bring him in sooner. Mm. So. No, I think that's really good. And I, I think for women, you know, um, I assume that most of our listeners are women. Uh, I it's kind of my target audience. So, but but some of you could be men out there. But for women, it does haunt us. You know, it's like um, I don't want to say it's an ever waking thought because <laughs> we do think about other things as well, like groceries and laundry. But but it is always there in the back of our heads. And um, when you're struggling with infertility, it is it is like a an ever nagging thing of you know but you're not pregnant, but you're not pregnant, but you're not pregnant. And then other people will start to ask, you know, when are you getting pregnant and, and all of that. And so it is one of those things where after a while, it's like you're trying to tune your own voice out so much that you forget to talk to your husband about it and say, hey, I'm really freaked out right now. And um, so it, it can be one of those things that you tend to, to shut out and not, not bring him in on. So Yes, definitely open up to your husband. Or if you're the husband, you know, ask your wife, how are you feeling about this? And make her open up to you as well. So, yeah, yeah, good topic. Okay, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. And if you have any questions or um, want to discuss that more in detail with me, you can always set up an introduction call and um, we can talk about ways to help you cope with your spousal relationships and and the pain of infertility so okay otherwise we'll see you back in a couple weeks bye thanks for joining us on today's podcast if you'd like to know more about our programs or watch the podcast in video form you can visit our websites where we also share links and resources concerning the different topics that we have discussed check me out at www.nicolehegstead.com And check me out at www.bridgetmay.com. See See you next time. time.